Hi, brothers and sisters. Hi, family. Welcome. It's so good. Uh, if there are any guests out there tuning in, I welcome you also. This is Devos with D, and my name is Pastor D. And this week, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Not only this week, but for the next six weeks, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to go through each chapter, one through six. So it'll be a six-week series, and I hope you'll join me each and every week. I am so excited about this series because Ephesians is my favorite, along with Colossians and Psalms. Now, I have to warn you, we cannot do or go through everything that is in the book of Ephesians. It's impossible. You could spend your lifetime going through the book of Ephesians and you would still get something out of it that you hadn't seen before. So we're going to dive right in. We're going to get out of it as much as we possibly can. I'm going to focus on some key points, and then I hope you'll join me the following week so that we can keep going on. And I hope even more so that you will study the book of Ephesians on your own. Go beyond what I'm teaching because it is exciting. It is a brilliant book, and you'll be blessed going through it. So let's get into Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul focuses on thanks and prayers for the Ephesians church. He outlines who we are and what we are in Christ Jesus. He reminds the people there at Ephesus and he reminds us of God's glory and God's promises because the promises that God makes, he will never break. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And in Ephesians 1, it tells us exactly what it means to be a believer. I was excited when I read the book of Ephesians because as a new Christian, I found out exactly what I needed to do. What was being asked of me as a believer? So let's talk a little bit about the city. So the book, is, the book of Ephesians and the city they were in was Ephesus. Ephesus was considered a trade center or a port city. It was located on the Mediterranean and it was in a place in, in ancient times that they called Asia Minor. It had a population of approximately 250,000 and it was considered the second largest city at that time. It would be located at what is called now in modern day West Turkey. Ephesus was known for its wealth. It was also a pilgrimage city for worship of the goddess Diana or the goddess Ar Artemis. The temple of Artemis was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Some of those wonders were the great pyramid at Giza, Zeus's statue in Olympia, Greece, the Colossus of Rhodes in Greece, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, and there were a couple more. And the only lasting one of those wonders is the Great Pyramid at Giza. So what is the background on this book called Ephesians? It was written by Paul, and at the time, Paul was on house arrest in Rome. It's dated 60 to 62 AD, and it was 61 years after the birth of Jesus Christ. 
Paul had founded the Ephesians church and he did it on his second missionary journey. And during that time, during that missionary journey, he stayed three years with the people of God. He wants to, in this book of Ephesians, to encourage believers to walk as fruitful followers. What do I mean by fruitful followers? And what does he mean by fruitful followers? It means that he doesn't want us to be stagnant. He wants us to yield fruit to the glory of God. He also wrote this book to challenge believers to serve in unity, peace, and love in spite of persecution. Because back in that particular time, they were going through a lot of persecution. So let's get right into the verses that we want to delve into. We'll be in Ephesians 1, 3 through 12, and I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. And I hope you'll, you'll stick with me. You'll bear up, because I'm going to read quite a few verses, verses 3 through 12 in this first chapter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Amen? Love that word. So let's break it down now. Let's look at some main points. And the first point I want to look at is that we are chosen. We are chosen. God chose us before we were born. We had no part in the choice. It was God's plan. The choice is not dependent on if we're a good or a bad person. Listen to that. The choice is not dependent on whether we are a good or a bad person. Yet we do have a choice to be a part of God's plan by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Why are we chosen? We're chosen for salvation and for holiness. Let's look at Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5 in the Passion Translation because I think it just makes it so clear here. And he chose us to be his very own joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, 
He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Aren't you glad you're adopted? A lot of people put a bad connotation on being adopted, but I am so glad God engrafted us in, that we are part of it, that he allowed the Gentiles to be a part of his family. The second thing after we're chosen is we're redeemed. We're redeemed by the blood. And whose blood? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Redeemed means that we were purchased back from ransom to liberate or to rescue from captivity or bondage or from any obligation or liability. Redemption is found in Jesus. Redemption found in Christ is not merely through him, but by each individual coming to live in him. I'm going to read that again. Redemption found in Christ is not merely through him, but by each individual coming to live in him. We can accept him, but we need to live in him. We need to walk out our life as Christ walked out his life. Redemption implies a price being paid. The Greek word is lutroo, lutroo. And it means to liberate on receipt of a ransom. We were captives by sin. We were blinded. And it says it quite clearly in 2 Timothy 2.26. I'm going to read it from the message. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth, enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. We thought we were doing our own things, brothers and sisters, when we were out there in the world. We thought we controlled everything, but really the devil had a ring in our nose. He was leading us around and we were totally blind to it. They can't see it. No one can see it. I couldn't see it until I was in Christ. Listen to Hebrews 9, 21 through 26 in the NIV. And in these scriptures, it's talking about and comparing the sacrifices that they did during Moses' time to the sacrifice that was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Starting with verse 21. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used in his ceremonies. This was during Moses' time. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. Because see, during their time that in, the, in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, it was just a copy of the heavenly things. but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. There was a better sacrifice done in the heavenly places. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. 
He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. So on their day of atonement, the high priest would enter. But he would have to come back the next year and do the very same thing. Christ did not have to do that. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So he did away with sin once and for all. He doesn't have to come back again regarding sin because he's already done away with it, brothers and sisters. It's a done deal. Listen to this quote. It's from Elizabeth Elliot, who was a missionary and an author. She said, we want to avoid suffering, death, sin, ashes, but we live in a world crushed, broken, and torn. A world God himself visited to redeem. We receive his poured out life and being allowed the high privilege of suffering with him so that we may then pour ourselves out for others. So brothers and sisters, we are chosen. We are redeemed by the blood. The third thing is we're forgiven. We are forgiven. Literally, this means we've been let go. That there is no exacting payment for anything anymore. God has provided a lavish guilt on us. We were guilty. He provided a gift on the guilty. This includes, when we're forgiven, this includes not only deliverance from sin's penalty, but from its pollution and negatively enslaving power. Also, it includes reconciliation with an offended God and satisfaction to that same just God. There's a lot in being forgiven. And we need to meditate on that and really realize how that sacrifice, how precious it was. God willingly did this for us. Nobody twisted God's arm. It was, again, his plan. This was a voluntary decision. He knew what he needed to do to bring us back to himself. Our debt is satisfied. The slate is clean. The playing field is leveled. There is nothing that we have to do pertaining to our sin because Jesus fixed it all. Let's look at Psalm 103.12. Psalm 103.12 in the ESV. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove transgressions from us. I love that. As far as the east is from the west. It's, it's gone. It's obliterated. Woo! So cool. Also in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. It's also in the ESV. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption 
and the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am so thankful. And I love, again, how Ephesians lays it out for us, that we are chosen, we're redeemed by the blood, and we are totally forgiven. We, we can't earn it. We can't work for it. God did it voluntarily through his son, Jesus. Listen to this quote from Brother Ravi Zacharias, and he was an apologist and a speaker and an author, and he just recently went home to be with the Lord just scant um, days ago. One of the most staggering truths of the scriptures is to understand that we do not earn our way to heaven. Works have a place, but only as a demonstration of having received God's forgiveness, not as a badge of merit of having earned it. Again, we couldn't earn it, but I'm so thankful for what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for your word. Thank you for what the book of Ephesians is laying out for us to understand. It is important for us to grasp this, that we are chosen. You did choose us. We are not only chosen, we're loved by you. And so, Father, I just pray that every person within the sound of my voice will know that they are loved by you and that you chose them and that you had a plan and you fulfilled that plan. And now you have a plan for their lives and that you will work that plan. You will cause them, if they will take your hand, if they will walk with you, if they will talk with you, you will take them through into their destiny. So I give you thanks and praise for what you're going to do as we study the book of Ephesians. In Jesus' name, amen.